Hey. We're back. <laughs> we are back. It's Stacy and Pete. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. And it's spooky season. <laughs> Can we use your scary voice for that? Ooh, maybe. I guess they'll know if, if we've just done it. <laughs> Was that spooky enough for you? It better have been. <laughs> Enjoy it. Well, you can, (laughs) since there's not much of it this year. Not much of it at all. Sorry, but we're here now. We are. We've had a very busy month, a lot going on, but we're happy to be back with some spooky season content. So happy. Very happy. Before we get into our movie, I had a fun little story I wanted to share with you. What you got? I haven't even told you about this yet. So when people submit photos to us, I try to remember, especially if it's the first time they've ever messaged me, because in my mind, that means they're kind of a newer follower. I try to remember to send them a link to the podcast as well. You know, like I thank them for submitting the photo. And of course, I can never share every photo that gets submitted because I get hundreds a day. I get so many. Yes. And And I love getting them. So never stop. But just don't get mad at me if it doesn't get shared. <laughs> but so I try to give send them the link to the podcast because we have, you know, way more followers than we do listeners at this point. And I think that a lot of our followers don't know that we have a podcast. In fact, I know it because occasionally I'll mention it in a caption or something and someone will see it and they'll be like, wait a minute, you have a podcast? And I'm like, wait a minute, this page is here because of the podcast. Yes. But, you know, it's fine. I know some people don't look at stories on Instagram, which is where I share the majority of our podcast information. Like I'm always sharing links to new episodes and stuff like that in our stories. And I also mention the podcast in the captions of any post that I make if it's about something that we've just covered or that we've covered in the past. But a lot of people don't read the captions. Right. You know, and it's fine. Everybody consumes it differently. But anyway, Charlotte sent me some Halloween. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think you mean Charlotte. (laughs) No, it is Charlotte. This is a different Charlotte, too, than the one that had a show and tell recently. No, no, no. Listen, you're going to sit there and you roast me over Gabriel Carteris. I'm going to roast you for mispronouncing poor Charlotte's name. Well, listen, first of all, her name is Gabrielle Carteris. (laughs) Gabriel Carteris. You are besmirching Andrea Zuckerman's name. Who we've seen in person. Who we have seen in person now. Pretty much best friends. (laughs) Basically, except she was not very nice to me. Uh, She was busy chatting with everybody else except you. (laughs) (laughs) Story of my life. (laughs) No, she's just the only one that didn't say hi when I said hi to everyone. Yeah. When we, you know, were leaving the photo op that we paid a lot of money for. Do you think she has so gotten used to nobody thinking about her Mm. from the show that she just assumes they're not saying hi to her? her. Yeah. That is a good point because I did hear that her table where you could get selfies and autographs and stuff that her table was empty. Everyone or her line was empty while everybody else's lines were full. I wish that's the only one that I went to then. I know. It makes me so sad. Yeah, I don't like it. And I get it because it's like it is a lot of money. Yeah. You know, so if you don't genuinely want the picture or the autograph, then you're not going to spend the money to do it. But it just hurts my heart to see that. Yes. Who was the other one? It was um, Trina McGee, who played Angela on Boy Meets World. Yeah. Like all the other Boy Meets World lines were jam 
packed and they were having like a party. Ryder and Will were like getting the crowd pumped up. It was like they were having a concert over there. And she was just sitting there all alone. Nobody in her line at all. I don't like that feeling. No, I felt so sad for her. But then also it's like uh, we didn't really watch Boy Meets World. So I wasn't, you know, we weren't doing selfies anyway. We We just were walking around. But anyways, if I ever become a zillionaire and we go to conventions, I will be in the line for all the people that don't have people in their lines. If we ever get press passes and we can do interviews. We will interview everybody. Everyone. Leave no person behind. That's right. Anyway, back to Charlotte. Back to Charlotte. It's not Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) People hate when you mispronounce their name, so don't do that. There's two options here. Mine could be right. (laughs) Is she from Western New York? You don't know. If she's from Western New York near Lake Ontario, it might be pronounced Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let us know. Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sorry, Charlotte. These jokes are at your expense, but they are very, very funny. (laughs) All right. So Charlotte or Charlotte sent me some Halloween pictures, some nostalgic ones that were very cute. And I sent her the podcast link and I got this fun response back. So she said, I listen. It's my yard mowing podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's great because I had those as well. Yeah. And it's a topic of conversation of my lunch table, which is in the library of an elementary school consisting of me, the assistant librarian, the head librarian, the math coach, a kindergarten TA, and two reading specialists. We are all the same age. The topics become our topics of the week, and we ask all the grown-ups that filter through the library for their input or opinion or memory. You inspire us. Oh, that is fun. I know. (laughs) And so, of course, I thanked her and I asked her if I could share that bit on the podcast. And she said, absolutely. We love anything nostalgic. So y'all are our people. We also have hill to die on topics that everyone has to answer and defend. These range from types of toilet paper. She said, I was aghast at my coworker who loves Scott TP. Ow. And our principal loves Charmin Blue and keeps rolls in his private bathroom. (laughs) To ranking the Jonas Brothers by hotness to personal stances on Keanu Reeves and ranking of his movies. These opinions rage on for days. It is the most fun place to work. I wish y'all could come podcast from the library. (laughs) We have a setup for the kiddos. They need to see how the pros do it. (laughs) We're pros now. All right. I love it, Charlotte. Maybe we can one day come podcast from your library. Podcast on the go from the library. (laughs) Send me a message and let me know where you are. We'll find you. (laughs) So we watched... Something fun and new, but also nostalgic yesterday on Amazon Prime. Yes. It was called Totally Killer. Totally Killer. (laughs) And it's just basically a fun horror movie. And Trisha from the Cozy Club said that it's kind of like Happy Death Day meets Back to the Future, which I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I can see that. It was good. We enjoyed it. Yeah, it was an enjoyable ride, I would say, overall through their version of nostalgia. Yes. And, you know, we like to do this sometimes. So what would you rate their interpretation of the 80s on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best? Uh, I'd give them a six and a half to a seven. Now, outfit wise, I thought they were pretty good. I'd mm-hmm. probably give them an eight to maybe a nine. Vocabulary and slang wise, yes. they were extremely low. I would probably give them a two to a three. Yeah, they said a couple things where they were like, 
let's go, which not that you couldn't say let's go in the 80s, but we know that that, especially watching Big Brother, that's where we we really picked up on like Casey and Tyler. They used to say let's go all the time. And it was just very. It's very specific in delivery and how you say it. Like people would say, yes, let's go back then. But Uh they wouldn't say let's go. Right. Right. So that part. And there was a couple other examples where it just didn't match how kids would speak. I thought the hair, the hair was okay. It was a little too non-frizzy for the 80s. Yeah, but not every person had big poofy hair in the 80s. Some people did have normal-ish hair. By normal, I mean it wasn't too over the top. I understand that. I'm just saying that if somebody styled their hair, it wasn't with modern products and it looked different. It was either crusty with hairspray and or mousse. If you put gel in it, you could get a certain look. Mm -hmm. But anything you did that was a dry look was going to have a little bit of frizz to it and a little bit of fluffiness. It depends on what kind of what your hair texture is like. I don't know. Some people just have super straight hair or stringy hair, hair that doesn't have a lot of volume to it. Like my hair, of course, if I didn't put anything in it, it would just be a frizz ball. There were people in my school that had straight hair that didn't really have to do anything to it. Mm -hmm. And it looked like it would today. Yeah. But. So see, there's my point. I had five girls in my class. And so I think I had a lot of examples. I mean, like I base a lot of it on my sister's yearbooks and nine out of 10 girls had permed, yes, poofy, high to the heavens, you know, rave or aquanet sprayed hair. My sister came in with the brand new poodle do that she was so proud of yeah. in like 1986. And that's what everybody was doing. I think the problem with all of the 80s representation in current movies and TV shows is that nobody is willing to get an actual perm. As they should not. Right. And I get it. (laughs) I get it. But unless you're on like Stranger Things or something, I feel like you make enough money. Get the perm. But doesn't it become does not work? Doesn't it become permanent, though? Doesn't it permanently impact your hair? I mean, for me, it did permanently impact my hair because my hair used to be stick straight when I was a kid. And then I got a perm in the first grade and I've not gotten a new perm. Well, I did get a perm again in the early 2000s. What? I don't know why. You got a perm? Yeah, like my friend did it at home. My mind is blown. I know. I wasn't going to wear it like how, you know, they were in the 80s. I just wanted like a wave to it because I had a wave to it, but it didn't do much. But ever since I got that perm, my hair, if it's wet, it dries wavy. Same thing with my sister. Yeah. I don't think before she got the perm yeah. that she had a wave to her hair. I didn't. I know for sure. So I don't blame people for not getting a permanent. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like the first shot we see, they're at the fair or yeah. carnival situation in the 80s. And it felt pretty authentic to me. Did It did. Nothing felt too over the top, too much like they got the costume at Party City. Correct. I would agree with that. It felt semi-natural overall. Yes. I just feel like they did a better job than some of the other ones that we've watched recently, like Hot Tub Time Machine. Yes. I will give them a very high rating for their representation and calling out how little how little parents hovered over their kids back in the day. Yes. And just like the interactions between some parents and children. I didn't have that type of interaction with any of my parents. Right. But I knew kids that did. And they were exactly like that. Like their mom would walk into the room and they'd be like, get out, mom. 
<laughs> yes. And that stuff just, I don't know if it flies today, but it shouldn't fly today. I don't think it would. With the people that I know that are parents, it would not fly. Yeah. I also didn't talk to my parents that way, but I knew people that did. The other thing I thought that was funny, and I, I meant to look to see like the age of the people who wrote the movie yeah. and developed it and everything, because I feel like they had to have been around in the 80s just because they made a point to show all the things that nobody found offensive back then. Right. But this teenage girl that has traveled back in time sees the problem with everything that is being said and done from the school mascot to a T-shirt someone's wearing to different phrases that people use. Yeah. You know, she's just like, you can't say that. That's really <laughs> problematic, you know. And I see it all now, too. But back then, you know, nobody knew and nobody thought anything of it. Yeah, they didn't. And I thought that was a good representation of what it was like. And I thought it was interesting to see her see all of that and react to it. Yeah. You know, to kind of like see it through the eyes of someone who has no idea what it was really like. And it wasn't too over the top, right? right? Like sometimes it would just be like under her breath, like, you can't say that. And like sometimes she'd say something or she just noticed something and be like, what? Yeah. They didn't make it like a preachy thing. Yes. It was just kind of like, whoa, like people, you know, don't don't say things like that these days. Right. Or if they do, you know, they shouldn't. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. I thought that was like a, an interesting take on it, you know, without it being too preachy, like I said. Yeah. So we had fun with the movie. Um, I will say that at times it can be a little brutal, like surprisingly brutal. So just a heads up, uh, if you're not into that kind of thing, be careful because it is a horror movie yeah, and it is a slasher. Yeah. If you don't like slashers, don't watch it. But yeah. I didn't think it was too scary, though. No, I did not think it was scary. There's just um, there's a lot of stabbing going on right. that they show. Yeah. So it's not always quite so graphic. Like this isn't uh, the Terrifier 2 or anything, right? Like that's <laughs> that's the goriest movie I've ever seen. This isn't wildly gory. Mm -hmm. It's just a little graphic. So just a, a caveat. What did we just watch that all of the violence pretty much was off screen? What was that? Uh, oh, it was a knock at the cabin in the woods. That M. Night Shyamalan movie that we watched. Oh, that's right. It was all implied for the most part. Yes. That was, you know, sometimes his movies are hit or miss. Yeah. But I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's it, been a while since I've enjoyed one of his movies. And I thought this one was very different. It was interesting because it was not at all what they make it look like in the trailer. Right. Which is what I liked about it because, you know, I thought it was going to be too scary to watch. Yep. But I also didn't realize it was his movie until we started watching it. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, then it shouldn't be too scary. <laughs> but that was that was interesting. It was. Anyway. We have some new patrons this week. We do. We got quite a few new patrons these past couple weeks. Very exciting. Our new patrons and welcome to you all. We have AJ, Liana, Corey, and Jaden. Thank you for your support. Yes, thank you. And welcome. We hope you're having fun over there catching up on all those bonus episodes. We do. And before we do show and tell, one last request for any spooky, scary ghost stories that you may have that you'd like to share that we can share on the podcast. Obviously, you know, we need to get them in soon because we'll be recording that episode soon. But we've only gotten a few stories. So not quite enough for an episode yet. Yeah. At this point, if we do it, it'll be very, <laughs> very short and sweet. So, yeah, send them in so that we can have a nice full spooky stories episode. Do it. <laughs> do it. 
You sound like Ghostface. No, it's supposed to be the Emperor from Star Wars. Oh, my bad. <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right. It's that time. It's show and tell time. Who do we have coming up to the front of the class? Today we have Jen, who is also Glittery Fab on Instagram. Glittery Fab. Jen was born in 1978. Favorite 80s movie, The Breakfast Club and 16 Candles. Favorite 80s song, Catch Me I'm Fallen by Pretty Poison. Favorite 90s movie, Clueless. It's a good list so far. Mm-hmm. Favorite 90s song, Jen says this is hard. She goes with Here Comes the Hot Stepper by Aini Kamozi. I love how it's like of all the 90s songs and it's like, this is so hard. Here comes the hot stepper. I love it. (laughs) Also, you know, I have we had this whole thing back when we used to do concert nights and we were watching a live performance of this song and it had closed captioning. And I was like, what? Because I always thought that they said, here comes the hot stepper. Word them up. (laughs) No, it's murderer. Yeah, I had no idea it was murderer. Changed my world. There it is. <laughs> you never know. Favorite 80s or 90s TV shows, 90210, the 90s version. Not to be confused with BH90210 or just 90210. Oh. So she means the OG, Beverly Hills, yes. 90210. Toy that you loved most as a child, a tie between my gem doll or my Barbie and the rocker stall. Yes. See, this is a person who gets me. Yes. Because there was no one is better than the other. You have to make a choice. Like you can just love Jim and Barbie and the Rockers the same. They can be up on the stage together. Yeah. Rocking out. Now the Jim doll will be towering over the Barbie doll. Yes. <laughs> but it's fine. Deliberately too, I believe. I mean, we all come in different shapes and sizes. We do. Jim was just taller. Yep. Sorry, Barbie. <laughs> Favorite game or book that you loved as a child or teenager? I was obsessed with the Babysitter's Club as a preteen in the late 80s. Ditto. Same. Favorite place to go in the mall in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s? Definitely what used to be Sam Goody. Gotta love those music stores. I feel like we need a mall in, like, Indiana, right? That is just, it's got, like, two to three different sections, right? That has the most popular stores from those decades. It's got the 80s section, it's got the 90s section, it's got the early 2000s section, and it has those stores in the form that they were in. And you charge people admission to this mall to just go experience it. You can go to Sam Goody's, you can put on the headphones and you can listen to your music. You can buy a tape if you want it. Or maybe we won't even sell tapes. You can look at the tapes. (laughs) When we become zillionaires, we will make it happen. Zillionaires, that's a big number. Okay, billionaires. Billion? With a B? Million. Million. Millionaires. We have to have more than $1 million, though. Yeah, I mean, this mall is going to be big. We may need to be billionaires. Can we do it somewhere other than Indiana? I was just trying to think of somewhere in the middle. That's not really in the middle. That's like closer east. Well, I mean, it's kind of in the middle, though, because, I mean, if you go to Oklahoma, nobody's going to be there. (laughs) I feel the same way about Indiana. Yeah, but there's at least, like, uh, Indianapolis. Okay, It's a big city. Listen, again... We have listeners that are from Indiana. It is no shade to Indiana. I only know it from driving through the cornfields to get to Chicago. Ditto. 
Now, where would you build this mall then, Miss uh, Hate on Indiana? I'm not hating on Indiana. I'm I just pretty think sure if we you just hated on Indiana. One place in the United States. I don't think that would be it for All me. All right, but what I don't it? want to choose one. I want to put one in each region. No. Yes. No, you've got to start with the first one right now. Tell us where what it is. What about this? Wait, I have a better idea. Okay. What if in each region, it's not like the huge collective. In each region, like in Oregon or something. Oregon? It is like the... That's the 80s, 80s mall. 80s mall. Or it's like the 80s clothing mall. And then like... No, 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 no. Too specialized. Texas, it's the 80s uh, music and entertainment mall. And then in Chicago, it's the 90s clothing mall. In Florida, or we'll just say in Tennessee, because that's where we are, it's the 90s music and entertainment mall. And then something is up in, like, you know, New York or Maine or something. I mean, listen, I was on board in the beginning, but you've separated it too much. I would take <laughs> three different malls in three different states spread across the U.S. Or, you know what, listen, we'll just go with populace, right? We'll put one in California. We'll put one in New York. And because I don't want to go down to Florida because it's too hot, we're putting the other one in Tennessee because it's close by. In Nashville. In Nashville, where everything that's cool lives. Uh, <laughs> except we don't live there. No, we don't. <laughs> where everything <laughs> I'm going to quote you on that forever. Every time we go to Nashville, I'm going to be like, everything that's cool lives here. It ought to be on the sign. <laughs> That's how they act What's about What's hilarious their, their is that we don't even like country music. No, we don't. <laughs> All right. Sorry for the tangent. Back on track. Back on track. <laughs> Who was Jen's celebrity crush in the early 90s? It was Brian Austin Green, or as Pete refers to him, Bag. Bag. <laughs> in the mid-90s, Troy Aikman. And then she put in parentheses, Ugh, why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so spoiler alert. Skip ahead a little bit if you watch the Special Forces TV show and you're not caught up. Five, four, three, two, one. But we just saw Brian Austin Green fail miserably on that show. I was very disappointed in him. It was so disappointing. But I think the thing that bothered me the most is that we didn't get an explanation, really. No, he just gave up. Like he was randomly the night before he was kind of complaining. He was talking to someone else that was there and he was like, well, I'm in the, the body of a 50 year old. You're in the body of an athlete. Like he was just kind of complaining about aches and pains. And then the next day before they got started, he quit. Yeah. But maybe he had something going on that we didn't know about. I mean, I know that he had gone through a big medical situation, but I think that that was over by the time he did this. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Anyway, it was just kind of a bummer, really, because we liked seeing him on there and wanted yeah. to see how he was going to do. Mm -hmm. But, I, you know, I feel like a lot of times when people quit, you get more of a reason. And we just didn't get that with him. He was just gone. Yeah. And I think a few of them were. Yeah. More people have quit on this one than in any of the other ones we've watched. Agreed. Has there only been one other one? Or there were two? Well, only one other one of this actual show. Like there was celebrities? A, yeah. The other one wasn't celebrities. Gotcha. All right, we're back. We're back. Okay. <laughs> you can always tell when we haven't recorded in a while because we go on a lot of tangents. Okay, yeah, but... All right. And of course, at the end, we always ask if there's anything else that you would like to add. And Jen says, I grew up on the Monterey Peninsula in California, growing up close to the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, or what used to be Marriott's Great America in Santa Clara. It used to be what made my summers. Unfortunately, Great America is closing in the next few years after being open for 50 or so. Hmm. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. It always sucks to lose things that have been there your whole life. 
definitely. Well, hopefully you'll get a few more visits in before it closes. That's right. That was a great show and tell, though. Thank you so much, Jen. You may return to your seat. Gold star. All the gold stars. And if you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. We're on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. We're on Facebook at we don't want to grow up podcast. We also have a super secret special Facebook group called the Cozy Club dash fans of we don't want to grow up. All you have to do is answer a few fun, nostalgic questions and agree to the group rules and our amazing Ma Joanna will approve you. And if you would like to support the podcast and gain access to over 60 bonus episodes, you can come to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. Yes, we now have three tiers. We have our $4 tier, which is what's been there all along. It's access to everything, all of our bonus episodes. Our $3 tier gives you access to all of our game shows, trivia, things like that that we do over there. And our $2 tier gives you access to the short and sweet episodes, the Dear Diaries, the Middle School Notes, the Teen Magazine excerpts. We added some extra tiers because we know we're not putting out as much material on our regular podcast, and it helps us a lot when you come over there. So Come check it out. Yeah, we have a good time. And last but certainly not least, we have merch. If you would like to sport a We Don't Want to Grow Up shirt, hat, apron, phone case, stickers, almost anything that you could imagine, come to we-don't-wanna-grow-up.myspreadshop.com. Okay, it's time. This amazing movie that we're covering this week is Practical Magic. This was directed by Griffin Dunn. It's a 1998 fantasy romantic drama based on the 1995 novel of the same name by Alice Hoffman. And I didn't know it was a book until a couple of years ago. And last year, started reading it. Love it. But I have a hard time reading now. I'm telling you, you, smartphones have ruined me. Well, why don't you get the uh, audiobook? That's how I've switched to reading things. I just hate it because I feel like I should be able to sit down and read a book. And I enjoy it. Like the time that I have taken to read it, I do enjoy it. My problem is my ability to focus. I used to be able to read for hours and hours and hours and never get tired of it. I would be up way too late because I couldn't put the book down. Yeah. And now like I read naughty. I mean, of course, this book has really long chapters. There's only a few chapters and they're really long. So it's hard because, you know, you don't find like a good stopping point. And I am like, oh, better check my social media. Better Ah. see if anybody's texted me. You know, like the attention span is just not there. And I I used to have it. It makes me sad. How about this for an idea? A lockbox for your phone that's on a timer. And I'm not saying just for you. I think for people in general, myself included, right? Although it's hard for me to do with work. But you have to lock your phone up for a given amount of time, right? Called an hour, right? Where you cannot get to your phone, even if you wanted to. Mm, I don't like that because of emergency situations. What if you could unlock it if you have two people unlock it? Kind of like a, a nuclear missile. What if you're alone? Well, listen, then this isn't a solution for you. <laughs> I don't know. I do think if I can just like go plug my phone in in another room and then go to a different room to read, I just have to do it. What if you just gave it to me and told me, don't give me this for an hour? That's fine. We'll see. All right. 
Anyway, so I'm like halfway through the book. Okay. And I am enjoying it. And there are three other books. There's The Rules of Magic, which came out in 2017, which is a prequel to Practical Magic. Magic Lessons, which came out in 2020, also a prequel. And then The Book of Magic, which came out in 2021, is a sequel to Practical Magic. So now I want to read all of them. Just got to make the time to do it. Are these all by Alice Hoffman? Yes, they are. So the premise of the movie, Sisters... Sally and Jillian Owens were born into a family of witches, and they were raised by their aunts after their parents' death from a family curse. Their dad died first, and then their mom, as they said, died of a broken heart. The sisters were taught, you know, how to use practical magic as they grew up. And as adults, Sally and Jillian must use that magic to destroy an evil spirit before it kills them. Very well said. (laughs) All right, so this stars Sandra Bullock as Sally Owens. Camilla Bell as young Sally Owens. Nicole Kidman as Jillian Owens. Lorianne Criswell as young Jillian. Goran Visnijic as James Jimmy Angelov, who plays Jillian's lover. Stockard Channing as Frances Owens, who's the aunt of Sally and Jillian. And Stockard, of course, will always be Rizzo to me. Me too. Do you know who that is? Rizzo from Greece. (gasps) Good job. Diane Wiest as Bridget Jet Owens, aunt of Sally and Jillian. We know Diane has been in lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Today I said the Goonies and I was wrong. I went to my own VP's office because I was very wrong. But we know her from Edward Scissorhands. Lost Boys. Footloose. Mm -hmm. Among others. Among others. Aiden Quinn as investigator Gary Hallett. Very early for somebody to be named Aiden. I don't know. In a recent episode, you said something like that must be like the Aiden of the you said like that must be like the 80s Aiden, like the version of. And I as I heard it back, I was like, I think he means like 90s. But no, that name was the 80s version of the 90s name Aiden because it became popular in the 90s because of Sex in the City. Yeah, but the way you worded it, at least it was confusing to me. I don't know if it was confusing to other people. That's fine. It's fine. I know what I meant. Yes. But you think about it, though. I mean, technically, Aiden was probably around the same age as Aiden Quinn. True. So they were named Aiden in the 60s. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe Aiden was a popular name in the 60s. I don't think so. I think people in the 90s just came up with it. Although Aiden's a real person. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this Aiden's a real person. Yeah, the other one's made up. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't heard of a lot of Aiden's. You know, maybe he changed his name to Aiden after Sex and the City. Could be. Sex and the City did start in 1998. This could be his stage name. But Aiden, <laughs> Aiden didn't come onto the picture until <laughs> season three, so... <laughs> We have Caprice Benedetti as Maria Owens, the first witch in the Owens family, and the one who casts the spell that curses all of her descendants. Yes, she's the one we see at the beginning. Beautiful. Yes. Of course, all the ladies in this movie are beautiful. They are. A young Evan Rachel Wood as Kylie Owens, who's Sally's oldest daughter. He came back. He came back. We always quote Evan Rachel Wood in Westworld. Yes. (laughs) And Alexandra Artrip. As Antonia Owens, who is Sally's youngest daughter and very cute. Yes, I love. I mean, I guess it's well, it's three generations, right? Because the aunts, there's one brunette and one redhead and then yeah. Sandra and Nicole and then the two younger ones. I yes. just love that. Me too. OK, fun facts. I haven't had to find fun facts in months uh, because we kind of have taken a little break from movies and TV shows. We have. We're back. Back. We came back. <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't, 
watch Westworld. That's not going to be funny at all. It but sure won't. Pretty funny to us. But if you did watch it, you'll probably be laughing. <laughs> all right. So this movie is set in New England, but it was filmed in part on an artificial set in California because the producers decided that the house was a big part of the depiction of the Owens culture, which it definitely was. A house to accurately represent that vision was built on San Juan Island in Washington. So a lot of the set from California was brought to that location and put inside of the house, and it took nearly a year to perfect it all. The house, though, is actually only a shell with no Nothing inside. Oh, man. It was built only for this movie. And this is the really devastating part. It was torn down after the filming was over. Oh, man. That was an awesome house. I know. And after the movie, production got a call from Barbara Streisand, who wanted to buy it. Oh. So she was, I'm sure, disappointed like the rest of us who all dream of living in that home. Mm-hmm. And then the small town scenes were filmed in downtown Coopville, Washington, which is like a Victorian era seaside port town that's located on the south side of Penn Cove on Whidbay Island. Whidbay Island. And it's a beautiful area. I want it to is. visit. Yeah, it'd be good to see it. Mm-hmm. So according to Sandra Bullock in the DVD commentary, while filming the scene where the Owens women are drunk and slinging inside Salts, the actresses actually got drunk on very bad tequila brought by Nicole Kidman. I love it so much. I know. That's awesome. The cast further stated in the film's commentary that they felt supernatural elements of the house started to affect them. Both the cast and crew claimed they heard supernatural noises while filming the coven scene at the end of the film. For the final scene with all the townspeople at the Owens house, the entire population of the town where filming took place was invited to show up in costume and appear as town folk. I love that. That's great. Have you ever been anywhere where they were filming a movie like that you could kind of see stuff going on or be an extra or anything? Uh, I feel like it was one time in a city, although I didn't stick around for it. I had other stuff that I had to. What city? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which city. <laughs> One time in a city. Yeah, I just remember like I was in some city and they had parts of the streets closed down because they were going to be filming something. Was it in New York or was it down here? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Could be made up. I might be thinking of like DVD commentary. I don't really know. <laughs> I feel like I was in Chicago when they were filming Batman. Uh, I can't. Probably Batman. What? <laughs> two. Batman 2. <laughs> <laughs> what is there a Batman 2? Oh, Batman 2? Yeah, I think The Dark is. Knight it's called, yes. Is what I'm, I'm being funny. Oh, like the more recent one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was in Chicago when they filmed that. I thought you were talking about the one of the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> that's Batman Returns. I can't with you. None of that's real. <laughs> I feel like I made all that up. <laughs> Story time with Pete. Story time. So let's just say no. Okay, no. well... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an easier answer. But. Maybe what I'm thinking of is my family went down to where they were filming Spider-Man in Rochester. Okay. But even that feels a little made up. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they filmed parts of uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think it is. One or two, I can't remember, in Rochester. But you, That's for sure. You didn't live there then, so your family went? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, could, I uh, remotely viewed it with, with them. We take this all with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> they probably never even went down to watch it. <laughs> well, my only really exciting thing, which is so ridiculous because it's not a movie I would ever watch and did not watch it, was Tooth Fairy 2. 
Tooth Fairy 2 with The Rock? With, wait, is that the one? It has Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, yeah, and The Rock, I think. Yeah. Are I they know both the, in it? I thought the first one had The Rock, right? Yeah. I think The Rock was there because we were all, we, our, we had our eyes peeled. We never saw him, though. But they were filming in Windermere, Florida, which is where I worked. And I, I taught and we would be out on the playground and they had like production trucks and stuff in our parking lot. Yeah, I looked it up. No rock in Tooth Fairy 2. <laughs> well, see, I think the thing was we didn't know. We just knew the rock was in the first one. So yeah. we were looking for it. We were him. hopeful. And then we found out Larry the Cable Guy was in it. And that made a lot of sense. Or just that he would be filming there because he's, I think, has a place there. I know I taught a little girl who her dad is best friends with Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. And they used to, like, travel with him and stuff all the time. So it made sense to me. And she, you know, went to school there. At the school where I work. <laughs> so uh, in my mind, it all made sense as right. to why they would be there. Because uh, an actor generally doesn't travel for when they film. It's usually around their house. <laughs> <laughs> Sit and spin. <laughs> yes, I'm flipping him off right now. I'm just saying it would be convenient to I, film listen, near I, where you live. I do not. I cannot argue with that. Which is why so many celebrities live in L.A. That's and right. New York. It's very convenient. Those are the most common filming locations. Agreed. Right? I rescind my joke. I was just joking. <laughs> You're so funny. Anyway, it was very exciting times where nothing came from it, but we sure had fun looking and hoping. I feel like mine was a fun time, too. <laughs> in your mind. <laughs> a lot of fun. I think watching Spider-Man 2 be filmed. <laughs> <laughs> the imagination is a powerful thing. I know that I was upset because I found out that they were filming. I can't. I don't even know the name of the movie. Oh, it was. Um, was it Water for Elephants? I mean, that's a movie. The movie with Rob Pattinson and Reese Witherspoon. Sure. That sounds about right, actually. I think that's it. They were filming it in downtown Chattanooga, which is oh. where I'm from. But I was living in Orlando and this was right after Twilight and stuff. So I was so mad <laughs> that I could be trying to see Edward Cullen. In the flesh. In the flesh. All right. I also feel like I'm forgetting something else exciting, but. Me too. I feel like I actually did see something somewhere, but I don't remember where it was. <laughs> but we could also just be making it up. Possibly. I know that I was in Chicago when they were filming The Breakup, like Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. But we never found them. You didn't? But we tried mm. because that's when I was like really into Vince Vaughn. Ah. But out of luck. Back to your fun fact. I loved finding out that they were actually wrecked yes. when they filmed that scene where they're just like roasting each other. Yeah. Like you can kind of tell too. You like can't. They're wild. Well, and I mean, I know that, you know, makeup can do things, but Sandra's cheeks are all pink and stuff. And it yeah. just felt like, I guess, just knowing that they were actually drunk made it more believable to me. But it's a fun scene. Good on them. <laughs> all right. So Practical Magic opened at number one with 13.1 million in ticket sales. And the film went on to grow 68.3 million worldwide. Sounds good, but still less than its 75 million production budget. 75 million. That had to be a lot of uh, actress salary in there because it's not overly complicated from like a, a set perspective. It looks nice. I mean, they built a house. Yeah, I mean, they built the outside of a house, though. That's like, yeah. you know, 50 grand. I mean, it's not something that we're going to do, but as far as like 75 million, that's wild, man. Wild. It's wild. <laughs> Y'all. That's wild. <laughs> they did have some special effects in the movie, though. They did. And they were they were fine. I thought they were good. Oh. For wow. the time. For the time. Yes. Yeah. 
An unexpected issue that director Griffin Dunn encountered was the number of takes that the lead actresses needed to complete each scene. Sandra Bullock would generally finish in two to three takes. However, Nicole Kidman had just spent the previous 18 months working with Stanley Kubrick mm. on Eyes Wide Shut and was now used to doing 70 or 80 takes during a single scene. I could not do that. I'm sorry, I would never do a Stanley Kubrick film, even if he had asked me, because I could not do the same thing over and over and over and over again. I couldn't do it. You know me. Just like you always say, you don't like doing anything for a long time. No. <laughs> I mean, I, 70 or 80 takes. That's a lot. Would take a toll. It would. On you mentally and physically. It'd be exhausting. Like three is fine, generally. Like you should be able to get it. Maybe say on the long side, five, right? But you can practice something and then it maybe doesn't come out right the first time. And then maybe not perfect the second time, but third, fourth, fifth time, usually you've got it, right? And it's probably good enough. Even 10 seems fine. Yeah. And that seems like a lot. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, like, wow. take it easy, Nicole. <laughs> and that would be really frustrating on Sandra's side of things if she's got it. And then she has to be there, be present for everything Nicole's doing. I mean, I know that like if it's just the shot is just of Nicole, that the other actor doesn't always have to be there. Right. But the crew does. And they've yeah. got to set up every single time for it. Uh, they've got to make sure the lighting is the same. There's all these people involved. I mean, as I've seen on these sets that I was at. <laughs> <laughs> it takes you're, a lot of work. You're an old pro. I'm an old pro. So Aiden Quinn's character, Gary Hallett, has something called heterochromia iridium. It's the thing where people have two different color eyes. Yeah. They say it's, you know, fairly rare in humans. There are some celebrities that have it, like Kate Bosworth, Mila Kunis, and Jane Seymour, to name a few. So just his character had it. He doesn't, Correct. obviously. Obviously, because... Okay. We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to talk about it now. No. All right. I will say I've never noticed it on Mila or Jane. I have not either. But I've always noticed it on Kate. I thought Mila had like brown eyes. I thought they were like light green. But maybe the, maybe you were looking at one eye and I was looking at the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does she? Hmm. But see, oh, there's one them. that's brownish. Mm -hmm. So this must be some of this must be photoshopped. Yeah. So there's one that's green and one that's brownish. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe that's true. I was looking at one eye and you were looking. <laughs> I always thought that was really cool. Yeah, me too. So the character of Jimmy Angelov was originally named Jimmy Hawkins and he was a Texas redneck. The part was rewritten as Eastern European for Gorin after director Griffin Dunn saw him in Welcome to Sarajevo in 1997 and Madonna's Power of Goodbye video. That's right. He was in that. I don't remember him in that. Must be nice when like somebody wants you in their movie so badly that they change the character to yeah, fit you. Exactly. Interesting though, because she called him like a Dracula cowboy because he was from near Transylvania. Yeah. And they made him say things like, what is it that he whispers in her ear? He says, yeehaw. Yeehaw. Which is not something that I think someone from Transylvania would say. Generally not. <laughs> so it was kind of like this interesting combination that made this character. Very unique. Mm -hmm. This is just definitely a, a little fun fact. So when Sally runs to Michael after the ants do a love spell, this kiss by Faith Hill is playing. Faith Hill is married to Tim McGraw, who would later play Sandra Bullock's husband in her Oscar winning role in The Blind Side. Oh, just one of those, you know, dinks. A little link right there. <laughs> 
So in the scene where they lay Jimmy's dead body on the table to resurrect him, you can hear Nicole Kidman's Australian accent come through when she says, Sally watches balls. You sure can. <laughs> you can. Watches balls. Watches balls. You can also see Jimmy break character and slightly smirk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think I just said that in a British accent. I meant Australian, but yeah. I, I don't do a good Australian accent. We know what you meant. <laughs> Throw another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> no, no. 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 <laughs> do we want to get into a couple more goofs? Of course we do. All right, let's do it. So this was one of the moments that I listed. We can move it over to here. But Officer Hallett is, of course, supposed to have one green eye and one blue eye. However, the moment Sally notices this is the only moment... That it happens. And it's a pretty wonky effect, I would say. Yeah. During the rest of the movie, both of his eyes are blue. Yes. Because I was just like, wait a minute, isn't this guy supposed to have two different colored eyes? And I kept looking to see if it would happen and it didn't. And you're like, well, it happens like once. And I was like, okay. It's almost as if they never plan for anyone to rewatch the movie ever. (laughs) You know, because it's like it doesn't matter if you don't notice it up until that point. Right. Almost like they don't even want you to notice it because they want the moment that she realizes he has one green eye and one blue eye to be the moment where you're just like, he's the one that she wrote about in her spell. They should have put glasses on him. Yeah. Sunglasses. He had sunglasses on when we first met him, I think. Yeah. Not the whole time because we definitely noticed his two very blue eyes. Very blue. (laughs) This one I didn't actually pay attention to. Now I want to go back and see. But it says whenever Officer Hallett comes for breakfast, Sally first comes down the stairs and her hair is straight. But then in the next shot and all the whole rest of the day, her hair is curly. Because I think you commented that, oh, her hair looks great in the curly shot. Yes. I was like, I love her hair here. Yeah. Now I want to go back. Me too. (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) So this is just one of those things where you're like, somebody on set should have caught it when the sisters cut their hands. Yeah. Jillian hugs Sally and puts her hand like flat on her back. And then when she moves her hand, there's no blood on her back. Oh, it's magic. Just the lack of consistency there. (laughs) (laughs) This is a good one. I feel like I kind of noticed this, but it just flew by. So during the exorcism, when Jilly slash Jimmy is blown back from the edge of the circle and the women are all holding the brooms, in the next immediate slow-mo shot, the brooms are all laid on the floor. And then in the next shot, the women are all holding them again. Mm, No continuity person on I know, I know. (laughs) I think for $75 million, you can get one person in there. When Sally writes her letter to Jillian after she's been married, but not this is before Michael passes away. Yeah. She's saying that she's been married for three years, but her daughters are clearly older than that. And the montage that they're showing where they're running around in the yard. Yeah. Well, at least one of them is older than that. Right. Sure. And when they're dancing in the living room, they're definitely older than three years old. Well, um, couldn't they have had kids before they got they married. They could have, and I was going to say that. I'm not <laughs> trying to be judgy, but they just didn't specify. Like, they definitely made it seem like she got married and then they had kids. Yes. You know, so that just doesn't really line up because the kids would have still been toddlers at that point. They would have been. The younger one probably still would have been a baby. For real, though. For real. Final one, the end credits misspell the name of poor Coopville, Washington. Oh, no. Whom the producers thank. They left off. The first E. That's disappointing. Disappointing. And Poor lazy. Coopville. Lazy research. Yes. <laughs> there are actually a surprising amount of goofs for this movie. Yeah, there was a long page. Just go to IMDb and scroll down and look up goofs. Like, we'd be here all day if we were reading all of these. We would be. But it's still a stellar movie, wouldn't you say, love? Oh, I loved it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> You're here because you love me. 
Yes. And all of our listeners. And I love the show. Okay, so favorite moments. This might have been tough for you. I don't know, but I have a lot of them. All right. Well, yeah, I don't have a ton, but I have the standard amount. Because <laughs> we normally have our top three and then a few HMs, which is what I have. Yes, me too. You okay. Got, you want to go first? Sure. What's our new format now? Because we're coming back. We haven't done a TV show or a movie in a while. Are we doing HMs first? Or are we working our way down from the top? HMs first? All right. Yeah. Because I do think our top three are, are definitely the most important. There are, there are for sure our favorites where the HMs are just like, you just want to make sure they get mentioned. Yes. All right. So when a young Sally is doing her spell where she is basically writing down all of the qualities of a man that she thinks wouldn't really exist so that she can never fall in love. First of all, I just love any time we get, you know, spell work and things like that in a movie and a TV show. I think it's it appeals to me. And, you know, Jillian walks in and she's like, you know, I thought you didn't want to ever fall in love. And she's like, well, if he doesn't exist, then I'll never die of a broken heart. Mm. The curse can't get to her. So she thinks. And, you know, it's it's very magical as she's going around and picking petals off of flowers as she's saying all the things in her spell. And then when they go outside and the petals start to float up. Yes. Anytime any, anything like that happens in a movie or a TV show, I love it. You're there for the magic. It makes me want to be a witch. I always think of like Vampire Diaries when Bonnie first makes the feathers all fly up and it's just this magical moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're acting like you've ever seen Vampire <laughs> Diaries. He's only walked in enough to see people's necks get broken and hearts ripped out from their chests. Lots of violence in that show. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a that's a nice magical moment. Very nice. Do you want me to do a few HMs since I have a lot? Yeah, do a couple. Okay. Sally's letter to Jillian, the one that investigator Hallett ends up finding and it's what draws him to them or to her. I love just hearing Sandra Bullock reading the letter and I love the part where she says, Still sometimes when the wind is warm or the crickets sing, I dream of a love that even time will lie down and be still for. I think that I didn't even know what that meant. But I loved the way it sounded. It does sound very romantic. I don't know what it means either, though. <laughs> but it does sound very romantical. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Terminator, which I quoted this to you the other day. And I was like, you should love me forever, even though you do anyway. But I just quoted Terminator to you. You did. It was amazing. Because what did I say? I came across time for you. Well, you said time and space. I got it wrong. Why do you got to call me out like well, that? Well, because I didn't recognize it. And you were disappointed. And I was just like, well, kind of got it wrong. <laughs> I corrected it before you corrected me, though. I appreciated the attempt and the love that I felt I didn't I felt call you Sarah either. <gasps> True. I came across time for you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a small one. But when they have Jimmy laid out on the table and they're doing the spell to bring him back to life, they use whipped cream to make the star on his chest. And I just like that Sally just takes a little dab with her finger and, and licks it. I wonder if that was a, uh, you know, like an ad lib from Sandra. Yeah. Because it was kind of funny. Kind of seems like it would be. Yeah. And she just doesn't care. Like Jillian kind of looks at her like, what? And she's just like, she just goes on about her business. And she's like, I like uh, whipped cream. Thank you. Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my first HM, when Jillian is driving, we get this very surreal landscape, which I thought was very whimsical and very magical. Yeah, she goes to visit Sally after her husband died. Yes. And she just senses that she needs her. I love that they just... They can tell. 
they yeah they have that connection they have that magic yes and that oh that's another goof that i noticed i was trying to think of it while we were talking about the goofs i was like there was something else in that scene nicole kidman is singing case of you yes by joni mitchell and she says um she says and i could drink a piece of you yeah you see her mouth say peace i could drink a case of you Yeah, the lyric is case. Yes. So, sorry, Nicole, you've got it wrong. And I just don't know how the directors don't catch that. I don't know. I don't know either. In one of her 70 takes, not one of those was correct. (laughs) Just like, oh, hey, Nicole, you know, it is case of you. (laughs) That is a good point. That makes it even worse. (laughs) Another small moment, but just when Sally says to Jillian, you have the worst taste in men. Right as they like roll Jimmy's body into the grave that they just <laughs> dug for him. <laughs> and it's true. She does have the worst taste in it. She does. I mean, I can see that he could be very sexy, but so many red flags are, were ignored. He's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. All right. Next on my list, Aunt Jilly was very nervous about whether the kids would even know who she was. But when they saw her, they were very excited and gave her a, a proper welcome. Yes. I mean, she's the cool aunt. Like, yes. how could you forget her? Immediate love for her. Absolutely. Speaking of that, I love the scene where Jillian is trying to describe to the kids what love is like. And she says this. Do you ever put your arms out and spin and spin and spin really, really fast? She does it all the time. She does. Well, that's what love is like. It makes your heart race. It turns the world upside down. But if you're not careful, if you don't keep your eyes on something still, you can lose your balance, you know? You you can't see what's happening to the people around you. You, uh, you can't see that you're about to fall. I just loved that description because it's just so, such a whimsical thought of like spreading your arms out and spinning around really fast. Oh, yeah. And kind of equating that to being in love. It's a good description. It is. Except with you, I never lose my balance. No. (laughs) Unless you're pouting about (laughs) practical magic. (laughs) That's the only time I waver. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Next on my list, when Jillian rolls into the classroom that Sally's in where they're picking the like the phone number tree or whatever. Everybody's like staring at her and, you know, making comments underneath. Very judgy. Very judgy. But she tells everyone. That's right. I'm back. Hang on to your husbands, girls. (laughs) She does this thing where she like slaps her hips and thrust forward. (laughs) (laughs) She's giving it to him. Yes. Nicole Kidman does a great job embodying that character and just her sexiness and playfulness. Yes. You know, her don't give a Mm -hmm. (laughs) f***ness. Of course, this little romantic moment. When Sally is kind of telling Gary, we'll call him Gary, I just want to say investigator Hallett the whole time, Aiden Quinn, she's telling him, you know, like, this won't work because you'll always, I'll always be wondering if you just love me because of the spell and you'll always be wondering if I just don't want to go to prison. And he starts to walk away and he's saying, like, curses only work if you believe in them. And then he's like, you know what? I wished for you too. And then she starts crying. It's just, oh, I don't know. I can't believe this isn't higher on your list because when this part of the movie played, you cried. No, I didn't. That's not when I cried. You did too. I'll tell you about when I cried. You cried more than once and you cried at that part. No, I didn't. You did too. I I looked over at you and you're like, no, I just was like, oh, 
No. Oh, oh, you know, it was like a clutching my pearls in a good way kind of thing. But a I young lady. I did not cry then. I you would tell you too. if I did. I didn't. Mm. I just like gasped in a, you know, I'm a person who loves romance. I think you're wrong. I'm pretty sure you cried right here. Okay. I, I'll accept it, even though you're wrong. But. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? Okay. And last on my HM list, when Jimmy comes back from the dead and he's kind of solidified, but then he gets banished by the badge talisman <laughs> that Gary has. And he's got like this floppy star burn mark on his hand it that looks really, really gross. <laughs> yeah. And then he's fully banished for a bit. It works. Why? Because investigator Hallett believes that that star talisman does work. That's right. It's kind of like uh, Fright Night, where if you don't believe in the cross, it ain't banishing no vampire. Yeah, I like it. So this is a, a music moment, but towards the end of the movie, when Gary comes back to Sally and, you know, they kiss and they're, they're going to be together and everything. When and, Gary met Sally. <laughs> <laughs> and Crystal by Stevie Nicks is playing. It's just such a vibe and nothing is more fitting to be in a witchy movie than a Stevie Nicks song. Yeah. Yeah. It's very witchy. Very. But yeah, she's just definitely perfect for any soundtrack involving and I love it. So this part I really liked was when the Owens ladies decided, you know, this is how they were going to save Jillian because they knew they needed a coven. They needed eight, but 12 would be better. So they used the phone tree to call the women of the town to come. And what's funny is all these people who had been judging them, some of them for the, you know, Jillian and Sally's whole lives. Yeah. Showed up. And one of them even says like, I just have always wanted to see the inside of this house since I was a kid. <laughs> it was very relatable. Yeah. I had said to you, because you were just like, wow, they're all there, you know? And I'm I'm like, yeah, I just feel like, and I know I don't want to speak for every woman, but I had said to you, I feel like every woman has something in them, a little something in them that makes them wish, not so much that they were a witch, but that they had a little magic in them. Sure. Like, I think that's what, that's why a lot of these movies resonate with so many women and not, I mean, it, I'm sure there are men it resonates with as well, but there's just something about it. And I don't know if it's maybe it's probably the magic plus the sisterhood of the coven that is just attractive. It's appealing. Right. I know it is for me and I know it is for a lot of people that I know. And so I think that's why all these townsfolk <laughs> who, even though they've been judgy, now that they got the invite, they're like, sign me up. I'm We're in. bringing my broom. <laughs> Or my uh, dirt devil. Yes, <laughs> whatever works. <laughs> if, you, if you believe it works, it'll work. That's right. And then immediately the ladies that show up are kind of like, oh, yeah, this is me, you know, and, and one of them says, like, I swear I when my daughter got hurt or something like I forget what she says, but she's like, I, I felt it. I knew it. And Aunt Jet says there's a little witch in all of us. And I just it made me smile. I like it. I could see that being the case. It's kind of like uh, Star Wars mm -hmm. for for the magic that's in there. Yeah. I want to lift stuff up, too, and have powers. Oh, to be able to use the force. That's right. Yeah, it is kind of the same thing. I want to make, you know, flower petals float. Yeah. All right. Here we are. Our, Our top three. Top three. Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. All right. So my first favorite moment when we're in the kitchen and they've put Jimmy up on the table. He's dead and they're about to do the spell. Jillian is cutting his shirt off and kind of telling Jimmy that they're breaking up. 
<laughs> and then she slaps him in the face <laughs> just as Sally kind of comes around in the corner and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just like that Jillian takes the opportunity to give him a good whack in the face. Yeah, before he's about to come back and whack her in the face. Yes. <laughs> All right. My first favorite moment is one that's already kind of been mentioned But when Sally is working in the garden and you see the ants and they're just kind of talking to each other and they're like, what time is it? And they're just like waiting for something. And then the bell rings and all of a sudden, like, so you know that it's hit a certain time that they're waiting for. And Sally looks up and she takes off running. Yeah. And they're like looking at each other. You know, like, you know that they've done a spell. You know that they're up to something. Well, I knew they were up to something. You were a little confused. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, why is Sandra Bullock running right now? I was thoroughly confused. (laughs) But this kiss by Faith Hill is playing as Sally is just running through town. And then we see Michael, who is the guy that she just saw the day before. And, you know, it appeared that she found him attractive and he found her attractive. But they didn't. Nothing happened. They didn't, you know, speak or anything. But the ants saw it. So we know that later they did a spell. They gave him a nudge. Yes, they gave him a little nudge. And it's just it's a very romantic scene. She's running towards him. Her face is all dirty. They see each other and instantly she just jumps on him and they start kissing. And it's it is kind of confusing if you didn't realize that the ants probably Yeah. I was like, why are these people making out? Right. They've never even spoken. It's like, who is this guy? <laughs> so you didn't remember that he was the same guy that she had seen earlier. No, I saw it, but it's like it, it was just a guy kind of like leering at her. Right. So I was like, why are they making out all of a yeah, sudden? Yeah, I can see how that could have been confusing. But I see what happened now. Yeah. Right. It's just, you know, I missed it. Right. It's funny to me, though, how now, I mean, I've never been under a love spell that I know of. But... You have me under your spell. <laughs> That's right. So I know exactly what it's like. But how does Sally not realize that she's just jumped on this man that she's never even talked to and starts making out with him and suddenly they're just together? It's practical magic. (laughs) But she doesn't even consider that it could be magic? No, you don't know when you're under the spell. All right. It's just like they just know and they're just together. That's right. They didn't have to get to know each other. They didn't. It was just makeout time immediately. Love at first sight. All right. Next up on my list, when Sally comes to Jillian's rescue after Jimmy starts getting all crazy on her, she does not hesitate. She is there for her sister. and She is going to help her out in any way that she can and does. Yes. Up to and including a little bit of murder. <laughs> Just a little. But he had it coming. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. (laughs) Wow, you haven't pulled that one out in a long time. It has been a while. Oh, I hope some of our our listeners that have listened the whole way through got a good laugh out of that. (laughs) Hope they remember those days. (laughs) There was like 10 episodes where it's just like every episode, something led me to singing that song. (laughs) I feel like it was more like three. 10. It was over the span of 10 episodes, but probably three episodes. But I can't even see you right now because you're so far out. In the the specific specific ocean. ocean. Backstroking out there. All the backstrokes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a little fish. Little fish. Okay. Number two on my list. Now, this is not in chronological order. It never is, but okay. (laughs) Go ahead. Yes, it is sometimes in chronological order. I tend to do it in chronological order. It could be in chronological order. He's suddenly making me question everything. He's forgotten how we normally do this. Listen, girl, we're rusty. (laughs) 
I normally go through as we're watching and I make my list as the movie goes on. I do as well, but I reorder them based on what my actual favorite moment was. Like my number one moment will be my actual favorite moment of the movie. And that's what I'm doing now. Yes. But I just don't think I always do that. That's what we did in the past, but it's okay. (laughs) Okay. Maybe I'm the rusty one. So the end of the movie. We had already heard the rumors that on Halloween they jumped off the roof. Yes. Now we get to see that it actually does happen. And all the Owens ladies, the aunts, Sally and Jillian and Sally's girls all walk out onto the roof wearing full witches costumes. They do. With the hats and everything. And? and even the striped tights. Yes. Very stereotypical witch. I liked it. And Nicole Kidman randomly gives like the sexiest look ever. <laughs> like everybody else is just kind of like smiling and like waving to people. And she's just like sultry. Yeah, that's what she does. Yeah, she did it. Jillian. And this time, though, they have an audience. They do. And it's really cool because we know now that it's all the actual townspeople where they were filming. Yep. But they're all there in their Halloween costumes with their buckets and bags to go trick-or-treating, which I always love. A good Halloween anything, you know, where you get to see trick-or-treaters. Yes. And they're getting the support of the townspeople rather than the judgment. It's like these people are embracing who they are and they get to be who they are. And Pete looked over at me and I was sobbing. You were. And also you get the incredible score by Alan Silvestri. It's great. And then you also have, you know, the narration by Sandra Bullock, Sally, which also just adds to the magic of it all. There's some things, though, I know for certain. Always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder. Keep rosemary by your garden gate. Plant lavender for luck. And fall in love whenever you can. And yeah, I was boohooing. And I don't know that I have ever cried at the end of Practical Magic, but it hit me today. Well, you're very emotional right now. I am emotional right now. But also, I think I just saw it in a different light. Sure. And I was just like, wow, they're really, they get to be who they are. And these people are embracing it. They do and they are. My only complaint about this movie are two things. (laughs) Your only complaint. Here's two of them. (laughs) I have two main complaints, but they're essentially the same thing. They didn't establish why these women who hated them for their entire lives would all of a sudden be on board to help them out. Nor did they really do anything to make this town that hated them, which they showed and established throughout the movie. They did a good job there. Why all of a sudden this town would embrace them. Okay. They should have done something for the town that made everybody change their mind and showed them that they're a good witch. (laughs) Well, one of the things I already kind of addressed, which is that these women were judging them and then all of a sudden they were included and like let in on the secret in a way. I, I get that. I'm just saying they didn't establish that at all. Something should have been mentioned as to why other than you're on the call tree. That's yeah, all they established. I get that. But she did say when you hear them down the line on the phone, you yeah. hear them explaining how her sister has gotten herself into trouble with this man who won't leave her alone. And I think it's because it made it more relatable to all of them. Perhaps. Okay. They've all had man troubles. Yes. 
or they've all had relationship troubles. All right. So maybe there is a little bit of establishment there. Because I did pick up on that. I did think of that. The town is, they're all gossips, right? Yeah. So they just talk and they probably got their families, which is like the kids and stuff. And they're just like, we were invited to go do this. Maybe these little gossip hounds that are on the call tree are now spreading positive gossip about the witches and how good of friends they are with them now. And that is why the town is on board. But it would have been nice to have a scene showing that to establish it. That's all. My only complaint. I hear you. I just think that it's okay because we understand now that like these women have all now been through something wild together. Yeah. That is not an everyday thing. It's not something you ever thought you would see. And it, it does bond you. Maybe it's in the long lost director's cut. Maybe. Although they said the director's cut was a darker version. So I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know because they lost it. They lost it. But also it's like any time that there's a rumor about, you know, there's always like the house that nobody wants to go to on Halloween or whatever. There's all these rumors about them. And now there was the rumor that they jumped off their roof on Halloween. But I guarantee you like only one person saw it one time or one person thought they saw it one time and then it spread like wildfire around the town. Yeah. Now they are inviting people to come and see it and they're dressing the part. Okay. And they're making it a spectacle. So and it everybody's becomes curious. like a Halloween event. Okay. You know, and they kind of get to witness magic because they just float down. They do. You know. Because I tried that with an umbrella. <laughs> it didn't work. No. Did you do that as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off the porch. I tried it with a sheet and I tried it with an umbrella. Oh, straight up Mary Poppins. Straight up Mary Poppins. It did not work, but Mm. I wanted to make sure. Good thing that you did not hurt yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was always jumping off stuff. That okay. it, I mean, it hurt, though. It was always that, like, hurt feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I jumped off the stagecoach at uh, PTL Land in North Carolina or whatever it was. <laughs> PTL Land? Oh, yeah. They had their own small amusement park, but they had a full-size <laughs> stagecoach. And I climbed up on the top of it. And then I got yelled at for being on top of it. And they said, get down. So I jumped off of it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it hurt a lot mm-hmm. when I landed. Yeah, but that was my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, I saw a friend of mine post something about, uh, I swear we're not going to go off on this tangent and then delete it again, like we have the last two years. <laughs> but they were talking about how in the 90s, they used to go to a place called Judgment Night or Judgment House, which is a Christian haunted house where they like scare teens right. uh, to you know be saved or whatever. I've done it as well. And I was joking with her like, yes, we've recorded two episodes the last two years about Christian haunted houses and then ended up deleting them or, you know, not sharing them with anyone because we were just (laughs) we end up getting really heated every time and we end up feeling like we're going to offend people. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Right. Maybe we need to put it behind the Patreon wall. I was going to say that. (laughs) Sorry, but I was going to say that. Maybe on one of our lower tiers, like a $2 tier, $3 tier. Part one and part two. Want to hear us talk about um, Halloween Christian haunted houses that we experienced in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) Then maybe you have to come on over there. We'll see. Do you remember which episodes it would have been in? No, I was thinking we might just have to record a new one. Oh, well, we could do that too. Yeah. But anyway, and when I told her that I deleted them every time, she's like, you should put them out there. I'm sure that it would resonate with a lot more people than you realize. Oh, I don't doubt it. It's just maybe we got a little um, uh, critical of them, more so than we normally are. It's not so cozy. It was not very cozy. Yeah, we were uh, we were complaining a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's because I researched and found out some of the things that they were doing in some of the Christian haunted houses. Yeah. 
that were really upsetting. Yeah. More than and, what I experienced. Right. And it's potentially not always um, topics that we cover on here. Yes. And also, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about family and friends that might hear it that I don't really want them to hear me talking in that way. So, yeah, yeah maybe we'll do a little uh, thing for Patreon about that. Yeah. Stay and if, tuned. If uh, family and friends decide to pay for it, then that's on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're uh, not done yet. No, we're not. Um, I got one more. See, I was confused because I was talking about the end of the movie. Oh, see? yes, I see. Chronological. Chronological. Okay, so my <laughs> favorite moment after she came into that classroom, Jillian has worked some magic and now Sally is top of the phone tree list. Everybody's shocked because everybody has somehow voted for Sally. But good for Sally. And way to go, magic. Yay, magic. Yay, magic. <laughs> I love how Jillian's like, I did that. <laughs> love it. It reminds me of Teen Witch when Louise uses her magic to put their name on the list to get backstage at the concert. Yes. And I was just saying to Tossie, the other, to the other Stacy the other day, that that was, I always loved that scene because I feel like that's how I would use my magic. Oh, ditto. Just to get in like backstage to stuff. Get Same tickets here. Get to things. Be glamoring people to be like, you want us on that backstage. <laughs> You want us to be VIP. Yes. Free VIP. <laughs> Just be slapping our names on all kinds of specialists. I mean, the first thing I would do would be to go to whoever runs like the Powerball. Yeah. <laughs> glamour them being like, this is the winning ticket. Yeah. I, give me the money. It's okay that I don't live in California. That's right. Because I feel like all of them. You should have bought the ticket while we were in California. Did you hear the winner was from California? Where in California? Not there. Oh, I don't think. Okay. But then I saw people say that like the last, this could not be accurate, but that the last several winners of the Powerball have been in California. Because really? they, they think it's rigged because of like taxes and stuff. But oh, I don't know. well, that is one of the states where the state would want you to win in. Yeah. Tennessee, not one of those states. Right. I saw some graphic and video about which states you should win the Powerball in. And we're one of them. Oh. California, New York. Not one of the states you want to win it in. That's funny. Because it, it'll mean like 30 to $40 million or so. Wow. Still, you should have bought it while you were out there. I should have. Should have, would have, could have. Would have, should have, could have. Oh, you said it wrong. You said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my all-time favorite moment, and I think many people would agree, Midnight Margaritas. Nothing beats this moment. I mean, I feel like if I could live in any movie moment, it would be this moment because it's so good. It's like the ants are doing their spell. They're making the margaritas and then the blender starts going and then it spins as it's going up the stairs yeah. to the girls and they wake up and then Sally and Jillian come dancing down the stairs. I mean, instantly it looks like the most fun, the most fun. It's a great tradition. You know, dancing in your PJs. Sally and Jillian both have the braided pigtails, yep. which always feels as anything other than being a kid. When you wear your hair in pigtails like that, teenager, adult, it just feels so fun and playful. I know from experience of how it used to make me feel sure. when I would wear my hair like that. So I wonder if that was like a choice for the scene to have both of them wearing braided pigtails just in a way of like, I don't know. Adding some playfulness to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it also just kind of always made me feel like that's what it would feel like to be a witch. Even though I'd learned soon after that that's just what it feels like to like have fun with your girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking margaritas and dancing in the kitchen, you know. <laughs> and of course, the song Coconut by Harry Nelson is just I can't hear that song without thinking of this scene. It's perfect. Every time I see it, I just want to zap myself right into it. There you go. And it makes me want a margarita real bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So least favorite moments. I've oh. got a couple. You've got one. I forgot about our least favorite moments. <laughs> Which one you got? My least favorite moment is just when Michael dies. Yeah. You know, it's just really sad. And the second that Sally hears the the beetle, she knows what it means. Yeah. She's trying to find that beetle. She tears up her hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's going to do. Maybe if you kill the beetle, it doesn't happen. I don't know. At least she was going to try. Yeah. Right. And then when Sally goes to the ants and she's begging them to bring him back, yeah. it's just so heart wrenching. And I will say I felt like the way they depicted her mourning was very realistic. Yeah. You know, I like that they didn't have her just bouncing back right away. Sometimes I feel like it, it doesn't feel realistic in movies. You I know? agree. Yeah. So it was all really sad and hard to watch. So, of course. It's a least favorite, although important for the story. Yes. Mine are a little bit lighter than that. (laughs) Um, I put wipe your mouths. (laughs) Like they got these kids with chocolate on their mouths. Just wipe your mouth off. Drives me nuts. I knew that was going to be a least favorite of yours the second I saw it because he just hates that anyway. Yes. People don't wipe their mouths or their faces off if they've got something on them. Also, it's like I feel like that was their way to kind of show like, you know, the ants tell the girls when they move in with them, like we eat chocolate for breakfast when we we don't brush our teeth or bathe or whatever. They just make it like there's just no rules and it's so much fun. It's all play. And it's kind of like then they show the evidence of that by showing the girls with chocolate on their mouths. I'm like, you could just show them eating chocolate. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all over their face. Right. (laughs) Girls a napkin. Oh. All right. Next up. This is not just this movie. This is in every single television show, every single movie that they do this in. Anytime anybody needs a little blood, they cut their palms. Telling you people, this is a PSA, don't cut your palm. <laughs> that is the last place you want a deep wound because you will quickly find out how many things your palm touches. Yes. And then you have an infection on your hands. Exactly. Cut the side of your arm or something, savages. (laughs) (laughs) What I love is that Pete had to pause the movie to say to me, like warning me, don't ever cut your palm. Right. And I was like, why? Like, he was so serious about it. And then I was laughing because I just felt like he was, what did I call you? Oh, now I can't remember. This was before you had talked about anything else in the movie. You were talking (laughs) about their dirty mouths and their Palm cutting. And you know, I was just like, are you like the health inspector of this movie? Like, what is going on? Well, I mean, that kind of ties into my next one as well, because this random girl cannonballs into the pool. She's got a beer in her hand. <laughs> yeah. The beer goes underwater. Don't drink that beer. That beer is toast. <laughs> that is gross. It is gross. It makes me think of I'm like how many times in pools or hot tubs. Oh, that we got chlorine water into our drinks. And you know what else it makes me think of? That time that we were at the beach with our friends. Yes. Peeps and Julie. And we were out on floats. Drinking uh, champagne. We were drinking champagne. And I I had, or we were drinking mimosas, I think. And I had, I had mine in like a Yeti, but it, it wasn't the kind where the lid closed. It yeah, was like- It's this, got a hole. As a hole. And like waves were just slashing over us. And we definitely kept drinking. And yes. it definitely got- salty mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was grossed out yeah i think one of us might have been drinking out of the bottle which also was not closed yes that shandown yeah so we got uh we expanded our gut biome <laughs> yeah well i expanded <laughs> mine into the toilet later but you know <laughs> sorry that was gross but true yes <laughs> i don't think that was because of the ocean water though no could have been <laughs> didn't been. help no 
All right. So we do have our signs of the time. Pete had a few and I had a lot more. Most of mine are all fashion related. Yes. So we can just kind of roll through them real quick. I've got a couple that are fashion related. My first one, though, is Inspector Hallett is definitely 1998's version of Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. I didn't even really, I've seen a few episodes of The Walking Dead, but I don't enjoy it. Zombies are not my thing. Yeah. But I know who, because that's Andrew Lincoln, right? Yes, it's Andrew Lincoln. Who I know from Love Actually, but I've seen him in that character and I was like, that is absolutely who that is. (laughs) I can hear this guy screaming, cool. (laughs) (laughs) But on that front, I put Rick Grimes got some boot cut jeans, (laughs) almost flaring on the bottom. Yep. Jeans of the 90s. And my final one, because I'll just let you rip all through yours. But you're going to the very end of the movie. Again. Very end. This mm-hmm. drives me insane. But go ahead. Yes. Sandra Bullock's dress at the end just feels like 1998 to me. It's like it's got the roses on there with like the stem pattern. It's got lace and it's shiny. Yeah. <laughs> and it just looks like 1998 fashion. <laughs> it does. To add to that 98 fashion. You have Sally's blue sweater at the beginning that has the yellow flowers across the chest. And of course, very 90s relaxed fit jeans throughout the whole movie. All of the sunglasses, everybody's sunglasses were so 90s. Oh, yeah. The round ones, the rectangle ones, all just very small compared to the sunglasses of today. Yes, I feel like very soon after this, they went gigantic. Yes, like to where they almost cover your whole face. Yes. Which I'll admit, like I typically wear bigger sunglasses. And actually, we were just in Florida and I borrowed a friend's pair of sunglasses because we were sitting outside and the sun was like reflecting off of a window and I couldn't see. And so I didn't have any sunglasses. So she gave me hers and her sunglasses are small. Yeah. And I put them on and I kept looking at myself in the reflection and I just felt weird. (laughs) And it's no shade to her. I'm just used to wearing big sunglasses. So I just felt like they looked so strange on my face. On that same trip, I had to borrow some sunglasses from you. Oh, yeah. I was driving. <laughs> so I had my boat sized lady glasses. Yes, on. you did. Very fashionable. The tortoise shell frames. Tortoise shell frames. <laughs> this is not, I guess, not really a sign of the times, but I just have to note that the music that's playing when Sally hears the Beatle is a song that's also used in Serendipity, mm-hmm. which is Nick Drake's Black Eyed Dog. And it's just funny because that song sets such a mood, but it's interesting how based on what's happening, you know, it feels like a different song because there it feels sad and like something not so good is about to happen. Where in serendipity, you know, it's just more romantical. Right. You know, maybe a little sad because it's probably during the times when they're like apart from each other, but it just feels like a different song. Yes. Already talked about that. Back to the fashion. So many slip dresses. Cardigans with floral embroidery, floral tops, chunky shoes, French twists. Sandra Bullock had her updos going on with a lot of French twists. Loved them. The long maxi skirts, mm-hmm. which those are back. Are they? Yeah. Well, I've been wearing them lately, but it's because they've been, they're selling them. Oh. They're, they're back. Okay. Sally at one point is wearing butterfly clips in her hair. Jillian's got her belly chain. <laughs> Sally is wearing a crochet tank top, Jillian's green velvet dress, which is beautiful. But velvet was very in in the 90s. It was. Also, I just noted watches. Do people still wear regular watches at all? Yes, they do. Uh, A few people that I work with have, you know, like non-smart watches that they really enjoy wearing. Okay. I just, you know, I notice them, I think, because I don't see people wearing them as much. I just, you do just see like Apple watches and 
Fitbits and mm-hmm. stuff. So it was kind of nice to see because like, well, I, I, you know, I definitely noticed that Aiden Quinn was wearing one, but then Sandra Bullock is wearing like a really dainty watch. Yeah. I've never really been much of a watch wearer aside from my Mickey Mouse watch yeah. in the early 90s when I was in like sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it was just a a question I had. Um, I did wear watches. I was mainly driven by my dad. He would buy me, you know, some nice, semi-nice watches. Never overly expensive, but, Mm -hmm. you know, like the blue face, silver band ones that were kind of cool. Okay. I remember when I used to teach, there was a phase where we were not allowed to have our phones on us. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to have to buy a watch because it was before I had like a Fitbit. Yeah. I just never wore a watch. So I was like, I'm really going to have to do that because I can't keep up with what time I have to bring the kids inside. You didn't have a clock? Oh, when you were outside. outside. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think though, I still didn't like wearing them. So I think I ended up getting one and just keeping it in my pocket. (laughs) I had a pocket watch. (laughs) All right. I want to hear a huge sigh of relief from you. (sighs) It's done. Let it out. Let it go. We've done it. It wasn't as bad as you thought, was it? It was not. It was an enjoyable experience (laughs) to do with you. And I hope the audience enjoys it. But do you, you feel it. better? I do feel better. And I thank you. And I would like to set the record straight, let everyone know that you have picked movies for us to do for Awesomely Bad. And then we're also going to look at the list of some of the ones that you all gave us to choose our movies for Awesomely Bad horror movies we're about to do. So I look forward to seeing what you pick. Yeah, me too. And I guess that's it. Glad to be back. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you got to do this one with me. I'm glad I did too. Listen, I know you don't love the movie, but. I've wanted to do this movie since we started the podcast and we just have never gotten around to it. So thank you for enduring it with me. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) So he says, now. (laughs) What? I have a jar of all the teeth I had to pull to get him up here to do it. (laughs) What? Oh, no. I've got got a joke lined up. I was taking the opportunity to cough over your cough. (laughs) That was an in sync throat clear. I liked it. It's gonna be May. (laughs) So, this, my dear, this is on you. So, I just wanted to get this flat tire out of the way. (gasps) Flat tire? (laughs) Oh, you did that to yourself. I'm back on board. I love this movie. (laughs) Cold. Don't brush our teeth. Our teeths. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh my god, that would have been amazing! <gasps> wow! Imagine if, if I'd waited one more second. Oh my god! Holy cow! That was still kind of cool. It was a little cool. <laughs> Are you a witch? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? A bad witch. I'm definitely a bad witch. I know you are. <laughs>